Good evening and welcome to the Hourglass of Isabella. I'm here with special guest tonight, Dorian Gray. Hello. And live audience, Daniel McShann. Daniel, <laughs> will you engage the Hourglass? Okay. The hourglass is being turned as we speak. You can't see this, but there is a physical hourglass that yes. Daniel is turning over. The aesthetic is like real. The of the hourglass. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so today we're going area. to be discussing foraging. Oh, here's your yes. Oh, yes, and Dorian has his basket. So to give you guys a little bit of background, today at the chateau, Dorian appeared with a wicker basket and inside were materials that he had himself foraged and it got me thinking you know what is foraging exactly and maybe you can explain it a little bit for our guests so i'm a really terrible gardener <clears throat> but i i grew up in a in a small um village between uh the Bear Paw Mountains and the Badlands on the northern border of Montana with Canada. And so um, ever since I was a little kid, my, my kind of favorite pastime, and it's, it's turned into almost more of a hobby, um, be, more than a hobby because I'm, I'm out pretty much every day, uh, of, of going out and, and collecting wild plants, wild mushrooms, and I've learned to, to bushcraft with them. And, and make different... What is, what is bushcraft? Uh, bushcraft is um, uh, any sort of, of craft making, any sort of, of, of practical, generally, things that one makes with things that they gather in the woods or the bush. So give, give me an example of something mm -hmm. that would be classified as bushcrafting. Well, um, so uh, one, one like food kind of bushcraft that, that I can have my little basket right here is I have, I have a bunch of lilac yeah, flowers. Yeah, tell us in what's what's in your basket for people listening. Um, so yeah, right now I've got some oyster mushrooms. I've got uh, some wild asparagus. Nice, my I favorite. I have some uh, nodding onion. I have some stone crop. I have some wild garlic. I have uh, lilac and I have briar rose. Um, I have spruce tips and uh, I have juniper berries. Hmm. Um, that's kind of that's kind of it. And some wildflowers that I just think are pretty, and you know, I grab yes. them as I'm going along, and I'll throw them in a vase. I brought you that. I brought you a big you poppy. A poppy. <laughs> Beautiful, big red scarlet poppy. Yeah, yeah, a bit invasive, <laughs> but um, but I but I did find them. Same with the lilacs. Lilacs are actually not native to Colorado. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they, they smell they spread, wonderful. You know, a, a lot by. Um, What's, what's your seeds. favorite thing to forage? What's the best thing you've ever found while foraging? Were you like, wow, what a find? Probably chanterelles. What's that? Um, chanterelles are a type of mushroom. They're really tasty. Um, they grow uh, at the base of aspen trees. Mm. And they're kind of difficult to find because they are the same color as aspen leaves as they start to turn yellow. They're the same kind of bright yellow. Yeah, and they kind of have the same shape to them as well. Wow, okay. They're a bit of an amorphous sort of almost trumpet shape that, it, that comes out of the ground. Um, <clears throat> but they are... An absolutely delicious mushroom. Oyster mushrooms are good as well. Uh, there's actually a, a TikTok that went viral recently about oh, yeah? oyster mushrooms, and I was really stoked about it because it's 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 how I cook them as well. Uh, where where a gentleman he uh, um, he takes them and he batters them like they're fried chicken and fries the whole the whole bunch together, nice. the whole bunch of mushrooms together, and it's it's a really nice way to do Sounds it. Sounds delicious. 
lately, um, my big thing that I've been cooking at home is I take wild asparagus and I take uh, wild watercress mm, that I've been I gathering. I love both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I saute them in garlic. And wow. I, uh, I make a dip using um, cream keep, cheese, keep Parmesan cheese, oh, yes. sharp cheddar. Mm. I mix that with the sautéed um, uh, asparagus and watercress, like a, like a almost you like a spinach must, artichoke you dip. You must make this for us. Oh, absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Yes. It's a very, it's a wonderful kind of brunch kind of thing. Mm. It's a nice snack around with friends. I just dip tortillas in them. Yes, and um, actually that leads me into my next question mm-hmm. for you, actually. So, you know, you can make these wonderful foods with yes. Earlier we were talking about juniper, and you've actually made drinks, haven't you? Yes, yes. Um, so I, I do make my own gin. I make a, uh, I make a bathtub gin, a Prohibition-style gin. It's, it's actually called bathtub gin. Um, because, uh, not because it was made in bathtubs during Prohibition, but because, um, the, the, the spirits that they would use, the moonshine that you would use to make your infusion, cause, cause, uh, gin is actually just an infusion of spirits with herbs okay. like juniper berry, juniper berry being the primary herb that you make gin with. And, um, uh, then they would put the, the big bottle of the big batch of it in the bathtub and fill it up with the water from there. And that would dilute the, uh, um, the, the spirits and, and make it actually palatable because it's, it's a bit too strong. And I do okay. mine in a very similar way. I start them in Everclear. Yes. Well, you, you made us a gin at one point, didn't you? Yes. I, I actually gave strong. you guys my very first gin that I ever made. It was perhaps too very herby. Herbal. It was very, very herbal. It was very yes. herbal. Uh, that one was made very with... Very medicinal uh, qualities to it, yes. Yeah, catnip, wild spearmint, juniper berries, and rose hips mm. went into that one. So, you know, we talk about the prohibition of thing, and mm-hmm. to set the picture here, Dorian Gray is very prohibition looking right now. He's got his fedora on <laughs> and his suspenders and everything. <laughs> so... Tell us, and Dorian's been a friend of ours for a very long time. Give us the history on your nickname, Dorian Gray. Where did that come from? So that, um, that, that it's, a, it's a book by Oscar Wilde from the 1800s uh, about a man who has this painting done of him. And, and the painting is, is, is kind of this monkey paw deal that he makes with this <laughs> demon where he's never going to age and stuff and he can be as as um as over youthful the top and, and youthful but also as as extravagantly hedonistic dandy, yeah. he could be as hedonistic as he wants to be he can kind of do anything he wants um but if he looks at the painting then it it will all the the age and the damage that he's done to his body and stuff like that will immediately transfer to him and he'll just so he's not allowed to look at the portraits in fact actually here at the chateau i actually painted a portrait of dorian and we hide it he's actually never (laughs) been allowed to see it she has wrinkles it's just a little bit uglier every year guess guess it in there but Going back to the topic of foraging, which is right. fascinating, and thank you, for first of all, for taking the time oh, to course. speak to listeners about it. If someone was listening to this and they themselves wanted to get into foraging, which I mm-hmm. think can sound like a bit of a daunting task, where would you even know 
where to begin? What would you suggest for a first-time person? How do they go about learning about it? So I've been doing this for over 20 years, and um, I've read dozens and dozens of books on the subject. I've taken a few classes. I'm a member of the Colorado Mycological Society, and I hope the to... The Colorado to... Mycological Society. Yes, yeah, fantastic. a mushroom group. Great, right. okay, there you <laughs> um, go. And uh, um, the, also, uh, uh, I'm working towards... Uh, trying to get um, my um, my master uh, naturalist certification through the state of Montana. Wow. I'm looking at some classes online for That's that amazing. right now to do that. Um, but uh, as far as just like basic foraging goes, um, you can. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and plug my Instagram really quick mm -hmm. into the Wild Fay Wonder. Um, I it's a foraging and, and wild food and bushcrafting and, and kind of cottagecore aesthetic to uh, cottage, personal blog. cottagecore aesthetic. You yes. mentioned that earlier, and I yeah. thought, what a beautiful word! <laughs> How fantastic is that? Cottagecore, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a whole. It's so a whole thing. how does someone avoid? And have you ever? experiences perhaps mm. have you ever picked something poisonous inadvertently are there things that are poisonous but look edible and what to watch out for there earlier today i thought i found purslane and i i mistake purslane for a couple other plants all the time and i picked it and ate it and said oh, oh that's poison and spat it out and the the photo had a photographer following me and the photographer was very concerned immediately. <laughs> uh, it, it happens. There's a phrase um, that there are old foragers and there are bold foragers, but there are very few old and bold foragers. Ah. And so you should know what you're eating. Yes, you should. That's, that's actually very wise advice. And this, this rolls into our next part of the topic. But you yourself have started recently... Mm -hmm. offering foraging experiences. Yes. Do you want um, to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so, um, uh, through through that Instagram, uh, Into the Wild Fae Wonder, I'm going to start uh, forming together uh, little, little weekend outings um, where people can come and uh, camp. Uh, there's some, some places that I want to take people to. Uh, one of them was where I was at today. It's along a, a, a trail called Switzerland Trail. It's an old nice. mining route. Um, and it's an, it's an, uh, um, what am I trying to say here? It's an off-road trail. It's not, it's okay. not a, a regular road. It's a completely unmaintained forest road. But in the middle of it, there's this beautiful campsite and it has this hearth. It has this huge chimney. Oh, wow. And it, with this that. massive fireplace. Yeah. And I'd love for that to kind of be a home base. That would and, be cool, um, yeah. Yep, and, and there's a bunch of tables there and stuff like that. Wow, and so I, I can love that. So you have the social out. community gathering exactly. to it too. Which yep. I think during times like this right mm -hmm. now, which we're living through this pandemic, it's nice to have, and if you're hearing that in the background, that is our hummingbirds. <laughs> so many of them. They like to be <laughs> featured on the podcast pretty much every time now. Without fail, they come in. But it makes for a nice background noise. Oh, they're so pretty. They really are. But I like the concept that if you went out and were foraging that you could also incorporate, you know, you've got the hiking aspect mm -hmm. there, right? But then you could go to things like... Eating aspect is eating. the most important yes, part. Yes, you, <laughs> you could cook around the open yeah. fireplace and have that social aspect. Yeah. But I'd love a thing where you could also explore things like, especially in Colorado, old abandoned ghost towns. Oh, for sure. I just stayed in Alta. Did um, you? Yeah. What, that tell was, us uh, about that. What was that like? Alta is uh, it's an it's an, an abandoned mining town. Uh, there's there's a hummingbird that yeah, is just it's very, it's, it's very infatuated with Daniel. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at him. Okay, he's he flew loud, away now. Very 
Um, so Alta, uh, where I just stayed at, it's a it's a it's an old mining town that's since been abandoned. It's a ghost town now. Uh, I do I do a bit of photography, and I actually shot um, some some uh, a shoot for uh, for the Chateau website, your website, nice. yes, um, in Alta the magazine, in the yeah. in the ghost town. Wow. Um, okay, that's amazing. I'd love yeah, to see that. Yeah, I've not seen it, that they're yet. Not, they're not, I'll show you some edits after this. Okay. Yeah, was, what, what would you this. say is the best ghost town you've ever been to in Colorado? You have in to Colorado? I, I've only been to Alta in Colorado. My favorite ghost town, though, is Garnet um, near Garnet? Missoula, Montana. Um, and I love okay, that little ghost Montana. town. It's in I Montana, suspect Montana yeah. has quite a few ghost towns. Quite a few, yeah. Quite a few. Um, Garnet is a wonderful little ghost town. Mostly mining towns are where I end up. Um, and part of that, especially in Colorado, I've been... There's many of those. Yeah, yeah I've been seeking a lot of silver mines, old silver mines you in would, Colorado. So, Danny and I used to own a property in Silver Plume, right. which was an, almost a ghost town. It actually mm-hmm. has a... Um, what's the population there, Danny? 100. 100, right? So it's a very low Asian. population <laughs> occasionally. Uh, but we used to have this... And it actually was an old miner's house. Mm. This old, haunted, beautiful little blue miner's house. And it was fascinating because there was actually another... A little ghost town above it wasn't yeah. there that had been abandoned. But you could hike up to it, and in the snow, and this the elevation was like nine thousand feet. Mm-hmm. So it was very. The first time I went up there, I'd come from sea level from England, so I had um, altitude sickness, yeah, very badly. But then you acclimatize over a few days. You know, of, of interest, that reminds me. There, there, there used to be. There's no, there's no shops in Silverplume whatsoever. But mm-hmm. there, there used to be a bakery, and it was like a donation-based bakery. So mm-hmm. thing like they would just have bread, and you could leave money. In. It was for a great sure, bakery. Sure. The last time we were up there, one of the last times we were up there, uh, we were doing some ghost hunting, and the uh, ghost hunting. That's yeah, yeah ghost the, hunting uh, as we do. We're actually the, filming the for a TV had, show. It was now like this weird hipster bar. Okay. Like, it was, was a speakeasy. Weird, of course. Little, little cocktail bar. But everyone was, was dressed in flapper gowns yeah, and dresses. Yeah, it was owned by a company, though, that makes uh, yeah, brewery. Yeah. Oh. They make, oh. They make bitters for, for... So have you have you looked into making... And, they, and the whole point was they make bitters from things that they had foraged in mm-hmm. the region. Have you, have I, you looked I, into making bitters? I have looked into making bitters, and I've looked into making shrubs. Too, uh, um, and and for for cocktails, I li- I like making cocktails, and I it's it's a it's a thing that I really enjoy. Um, my most recent thing that I made, as far as alcohol wise goes, is uh, last night I made a, um, a, a a pineapple weed, which is a, it's a type What's of wild that? chamomile. I've not heard of that. I love uh, chamomile tea, though. I made a simple syrup from it last night, infused with with pineapple weed chamomile uh, that I, I I forged near Longmont, Colorado. Okay. And, um, Daniel's restocking the fire. The fire, here, yeah, so it's gonna get stoked up. Yeah. Um, we the, have uh, a nice fire pit in front of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I made a, a chamomile simple syrup that I plan to use in some cocktails, but I have not yet. Lovely. And um, I made a spruce tip. So in the in the early summer and in the spring, um, Colorado blue spruce trees uh, they get these these little tips to them. And I know that I know the, the viewers can't see it, but I but I have quite a few here. And um, hey, he's rummaging through his wicker basket <laughs> as we speak. Izzy, maybe you can kind of describe sort of the okay. break apart some of this, and you could describe sort of the, the yeah, smell. The smell to it. Yeah, the smell. Yeah, you can even taste a little bit of it. It's it's an it's a spice. It's more of a. It's you spice you know, what, it's interesting you're saying. Is it earlier? Was this was this one that had the citrus? Rather tones? citrusy, yes, rather citrusy. Which it does, but there's some there's like an an underlying tone there as well. Mm-hmm. But it's very appealing, you know. I could imagine mm-hmm. it making a really good drink. And yeah. so this actually this rolls into our next question, which is if and obviously we're in Colorado right for now, sure. for those listening. 
If you could have the choice of foraging anywhere in the United States, where do you think has the best foraging potential? Mm, I love Montana. I grew up uh, around the You're Bear Paw Mountains. You're very Montana biased, yeah. I'm very Montana biased. Uh, and so the, the, the Bear Paw Mountains is very high up there for me, partially because I grew up there and I know where everything is. I know where my favorite choke cherry spots are and when they start to bloom. I know where the service berries are and the June berries are and thimble berries and all the different wild all berries the in different the forest berries, and yeah. stuff. Huckleberries, yep, yep. So the. Um, Huckleberries, uh, I know where there is a stand of huckleberries um, in Colorado that is almost ready. It's getting there. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Let's do it. So you also go to some of the stuff you actually have obtained from farmer markets as well. What, yeah, I go what, to some farmer's markets. What farmer markets would you suggest for those listening in Colorado? So I love the Boulder Farmer's Market. The Boulder, Boulder Farmer's Market is amazing. I got some lion's head mushrooms there today. Lion's nice. head mushrooms are one of my favorite things to cook with. Um, they're... Uh, they're they're impossible to find in the wild in 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 America, but they're they're very um, uh, like a commonly uh, um, what am I trying to say like agriculturally produced grown I guess mushroom mm-hmm. um, and uh, they have a lot of these amazing health properties to them. It's thought that there are there, there's been some studies that have been done on lion's mane mushrooms that show that some compounds in them may be good at inhibiting um, Alzheimer's. That's in, so. There's medical purpose in sometimes in foraging as well. For sure, especially with mushrooms. Mushrooms um, and and fungi in general. I mean, penicillin is a fungus. Uh, another yes, fungus that I, I foraged today. It's in my basket. Is is usnea. Usnea. Um, yeah, usnea is a it's a lichen. So it's a it's a uh, lichen. It's a symbiosis. A <laughs> it's a werewolf. <laughs> Different kind of lichen. It's a, <laughs> it's a symbiosis between an algae and a fungus. And it looks like okay. I'm looking at like, kind of like an old it's man's very beard. It's very fluffy. Very fluffy. Yeah. Um, I make a tincture with this, and it has uh, um, it has a lot of antimicrobial uh, properties to it, um, as a lot of uh, fungi do. And uh, this one, the tincture of it, it's it's very good for for respiratory ailments, and it's it's great for me because I get bronchitis this time every year, and it has some well, a little bit of an expectorant, worse, yeah. and nobody so it's a, ain't yeah. nobody got time for that. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> keeps it kind of keeps it more um, more of a preventative than anything else, right? And, Kind of cleans out the lungs. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Outlander. I haven't. Yeah, so it's it's basically the premise is there's um, this woman, she's actually a nurse uh-huh. in World War Two, and she is, after the war ends, obviously, she goes for her husband up to Scotland, and she enjoys foraging. That's, like, mm. part of her character. Her name is Claire. I would love to forage Scotland. In Scotland. So mm-hmm. she goes out. At one point to look, but her purpose is to find flowers for medicinal purposes. She actually likes to incorporate it into the healthcare at sure. of the time, which is pretty cool. Um, but she gets thrown back in time to the 1700s in Scotland, mm. where, as we know, there is no uh, modern equivalent. There's no penicillin. They, they don't have sure. syringes. All of that stuff is way off in the future. Antibiotics, sure. everything, not not an option. Mm-hmm. But she continues. She still wants to be a health provider mm-hmm. in the 1700s, which is fraught with perils, such as being described as a witch and other things she has to deal yeah. with at that time. But most people see her as a healer, and consistently throughout the show, which has many seasons now, mm-hmm. she goes about the business of foraging. And then in the later season, mm-hmm. what's very interesting about it is she decides to make penicillin. She sets about the task of recreating, because it's a mold, with bread, obviously, yeah, with yeah. bread. Yeah. 
yeah. in different jars to try and find it. And what do they make the syringe out of? Snake snake fang, wasn't it? They do. They use it. They use an old snake fang <laughs> as a that's, syringe tip. It's very. It's that's very a, see. That's that's very ditch medicine. That's very butchcraft. Um, like, uh, um, one one kind of medicinal thing. A lot of the the medicinal things that I forage are very practical and very like for the moment um like for example if if you're out in the woods and stuff and, and you were to get a large cut um and it's it's bleeding it's you could you, you need potential to clot of it. bleeding out and you, you need can to clot use it. spider webs too Did you, you, know that? you can but there's there's a there's a fern that grows pretty much everywhere in the united states it's called yarrow yarrow never a, heard of that it's interesting it, it, you actually have it all over your yard i've seen it a few times here it's all over your yard um unless you uh, after this we will go for a walk and you'll show me it absolutely that way i'll know where it is absolutely well you can take the yarrow fern and you can um you can crush it i don't know if it's actually a fern it looks like a fern it might not actually okay. be a fern um but uh you can you can you can crush it um on a rock and make like a poultice mm -hmm. and put that into the wound uh, of okay, someone who's injured, to and, help and it will clot process. very yes. quickly. Very quickly, I it'll, really it'll like just clot that. up. It has a lot of clotting properties. That's so. great. I remember growing up in England <laughs> as kids. We used to do a lot of foraging in our garden, and we had something called stinging nettles, which I don't know. If They're you here have. as well. Yeah. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And then immediately close by to sting nettles, it was like the mythological kind of known thing. There was there's always a dock leaf that would <laughs> grow by nettles. Yeah. So whenever we'd sting ourselves as kids, we'd go rummaging. Looking for dock leaves because mm -hmm. if you rubbed them on the on the sink, it would actually yeah. magically go in. It was this wonderful huh. thing. And then my parents had in England, everything grows very easily. We had a whole herb garden, mm -hmm. so if we were having egg sandwiches, my mother would go and be like, "Go cut some watercress. Go grab mm -hmm. some chives and cut those and bring them to kitchen, and we'll use it in the cooking." Mm -hmm. And having that connection with earth. Oh, and yes. that relation to the garden as a child was a wonderful and magical thing. And we had mint, mint mm -hmm. plants as well, so you could grab those for your drink. We had the Pim's drink, which is mm -hmm. actually... Is it Dan, is it gin-based drink? Pim's? Pim's. Yeah, very uh, popular. It's like an herbal liqueur, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's really good with you grab mm -hmm. the mint leaves and just throw them in. So do you, do you think this is something that people should adopt more into their lives? Um, yes, do we yes have and a disconnect? No. Yes and no. No, I, okay. I, don't, I don't think that there is. Um, I, I feel very much the same way about the places that I forage, where it, it gives me a connection to the area. Um, seeing um, the same sort of trails that I go on, uh, I, I have a few like favorite spots that I go on every day almost. Uh, at about 5 p.m. I get off work, work from home, I get in my Jeep, and I, I drive out to, to you know one of four different spots. Um, and, right, you have and favorite spots. I have that favorite spots that, that I kind of feel a connection to. And um, that I, I've now, you know, you watch them grow and change over seasons and the different things that appear there and stuff and the different things I that like are in that. season. And, and, you know, it could be a completely different flora um, in, in May than it is in July. And um, uh, I think that that's great as far as people adopting it. So, so I, I think that there's, a, there's an ethics 
certainly okay, to foraging. Um, where like I, my personal thing is I try not to take more than twenty percent of any given plant. Um, um, so like if a if a if a rose bush is blooming and I'm collecting rose blooms because I want to make like a simple syrup or I made rose jam last night um, with them and some fruit pectin uh, and but I don't want to take all of the blooms off of the tree I only want to take so about 20% off yeah you don't want to have an impact on the environment that's greater because then you you run into like the problems we have with our oceans with overfishing and stuff um, so you can allow for five foragers yeah <laughs> well, we're, on, we're on too many so it's such yeah, a good number yeah. and and you know the animals and stuff that that that, that need these things to four survive four foragers and one bear four foragers and one bear maybe a bumblebee and uh, <laughs> um but but that's that's it's it's a um it's a wonderful thing to get connection to the land but one must forage ethically um and with I respect like to the land you put ethics into it absolutely which is admirable as well in some respects so it's very thing as i feel like we're starting to slowly wrap up on our <laughs> conversation here it's very if you if you were to have some kind of like final words of wisdom or perhaps even the most exciting adventure you'd had while for an, or the most dangerous you know oh, you've been sure. out there maybe you ran into a bear I've run into bear. a lot of bears yeah I think okay <laughs> great so tell, us, tell us start with by telling uh, us a bear okay story. so I was in I was in Glacier National Park last year and I take a yearly kind of pilgrimage to Glacier National Park it's a place that I have it's one of those places that I just I feel a lot of connection with it's an amazing place and um, I was in Glacier National Park I was actually not not really foraging so much as I was just documenting I like mm-hmm. to document there and, and yes. it's sort of that naturalist kind of thing and, and document kind of everything that I see, uh, every different plant, and I try to identify all of the different plants. I'll take some samples and dry them and, nice. and press them and stuff. Uh, so I was bringing um, a friend of mine from Colorado. It's actually the first friend from Colorado that I ever brought up there, um, this girl Haley. And um, we got into Glacier, and we, we had booked a campsite, and we started setting up our camp at the site that we booked, and the ranger comes by, and he says, no, you can't stay here. We've okay. had too much bear activity, and unless you have, like, a, like unless you're going to sleep in your car, or you have some kind of hardback thing that you're going right. to stay in, you cannot stay in this campsite. There's too many bears. I'm like, okay, fine. Can you, can you place us somewhere? So they place us completely on the other side of the park. So in the middle of the night now, okay. we're having to drive to the opposite side of the park. We set up camp on the opposite side of the park, and we wake up to a grizzly bear just rummaging through all of our of stuff. <laughs> of course. So when I, when I came at, at uh, Glacier, they had a large, tall bear pole. And yeah, it was that you would have to actually take all your food and anything that smelled mm-hmm. and, and like, put it up close the pole? to where while mm-hmm. you're cooking. Right, and you put them in a yeah, bag, yeah. Put it in and a bear pole, like, you know, twenty feet up. Yeah, or they also have like these like lockers um, at a lot of the campsites that you, that you put your stuff in. It actually locks, and so the bears yeah, can't get it, into it. It's such an issue on the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. that you can go along, and they actually have cages that you sleep in. Yeah, you sleep in the cage to to a, <laughs> for the bears. Yeah, now there's no grizzlies there though. Uh, these are these are black bears. It's black ones. bears in brown in, bears are, in brown bears. Yeah, like they're little in, ones, smaller bears. Oh, no, no, in, no, no, in, no. In, no. In, in, so, so my, my dad always told me. Oh, oh yeah. so they're grizzlies, okay. Yeah, so, so my dad always taught me. Uh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that, so that's good to know. Um, if you, if you are being chased by a bear. What do you do, yeah? Right, uh, climb a tree. If it, if what? it climbs the tree and it yeah, kills they... you, then it was a, it was a black bear. But if it knocks the tree down and it kills you, it's a grizzly. Oh, that's how you know in your death which one is the right one. 
So I, I have an interesting story. One time I was nearly eaten by a mountain lion. Oh my. And I went... I threw rocks at him. Yeah, I went to... I didn't have any rocks, unfortunately, at the time. I went up to some hot springs called Sulphur Hot Springs mm. with my friend... Um, at the time and her name was Shoshana and, and we went up and it was oh it's actually sorry incorrect it was my friend Bella because mm, we're both called Isabella Bella. yeah you know Bella's a wonderful girl so we went up and we had this amazing time at hot springs during the day and with these natural pools and it was really exciting and we were actually staying at their friend's cabin which was in the woods so once we were done with our exciting hot spring experience yeah. Daniel had loaned us the jeeps we jumped back in the black jeep wrangler we go back to the cabin and it's pitch dark and as we get out of the car and we're walking around because it's on the edge of a mountain cliff with vast evergreen forest and as we're walking through the darkness to get to the cabin so there's a little bit of hike to go from the parking space to the cabin I hear this I, I hear behind me Bella just says stop like very serious kind of like really extreme and I in my British ignorance I'm just looking around like whoa what's the problem you know and right. I stop, obviously, because she sounded very serious about it. Mm-hmm. And she says, don't move. And so I'm like, okay, I'm frozen. I'm not. And then I look down and there, uh, maybe about two feet away from me on the ground is this very large mountain lion. I oh, mean, if I'd, if I'd walked one more step, I would have stepped on its head kind of thing. Uh, but it's crouched. It's actually kind of not standing. It's actually really crouched mm-hmm. on the ground. Really ready to pounce. Yeah, well, yes, indeed. And it's looking at me, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what do I do in this mm-hmm. situation? And Shoshana's like, because I wanted to turn my back. I wanted to run. Shoshana said, do not turn your back. She said, we're going to back away very slowly. And she said, put your arms out. So I did that. I put my arms out as wide as I could muster them. Yeah. And we started to back away very slowly. And as I started to back away, it slowly moved its paws forwards one by one, still crouching, f- coming towards us. Right, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta confront them. You gotta be, yeah. you make yourself yeah, large. Yeah, which is why yeah. I went large. And so we, we backed up, and it, I think it was afraid in some mm-hmm. respects too. Mm-hmm. And as we, as we yeah. got, yeah, as we it got, doesn't fight. yeah, as we got to the jeep, I remember I had to put my hand, so still facing forwards, behind me to tr- try and grab. The uh, the uh, the thing to unlock the door to get in the door, <laughs> and so I grab it one-handedly while still confronting and looking at this mountain. Line. Oh I God. open a door back into it. And I just hit my hand on the horn, oh, which for sure. made the it, shit out of it. It ran, it ran <laughs> away really fast. <laughs> yes, I don't know if children listen to the show, but <laughs> the mountain lion was scared shitless and ran away very quickly. And I just remember that because I knew if Shoshana yeah. had not been there, because it was so dark, I couldn't I see it. It was Bella, sorry. I keep Bella. mistaking that. It's definitely Bella. Yeah, you could probably go for a walk, right? Over there and find, find one. Oh, there was like four on your, on, uh, remember your yes. neighbor's, yes, your, your on neighbor's video. video, yeah. They were a whole family. It was a pack yeah. of them. And the, the crazy thing I will say about it is you never know when they're coming because oh, you don't yeah. hear them. They're deadly silent. I had no idea. I'm amazed that mm-hmm. Bella picked up. She saved my life that day. So if you're listening, Bella, I appreciate you greatly. Remember last year we were sitting on the porch? And it was dark. Oh, you could see the eyes. eyes. (laughs) They were mountain lion (laughs) eyes. And there was actually one, one was in the tree. Like it had climbed a tree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they're too scared to come close, which is good, I think. I I never knew. It's funny. I don't know. I want to be their friends. I I have this problem with wildlife. (laughs) That's terrible. Yeah, no, I'm terrible when it comes to, I have a, I have a video of a, of a deer eating a cracker out of my mouth because I just refuse to not 
They come here every day now. To they come things, right like... <laughs> up to here, but and they will take food from you. Mm -hmm. They're really bold and brave, which I think is a wonderful thing to be in touch yeah, with for sure. wildlife. And as I look My at it, parents always kind of feed the wildlife in their backyard. We found a deer stand. Is this Williams, BLM land right here? Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> so Chris was over yesterday, and he said the deer stand is still there, which I think is very interesting. He said it's either there for deer or to spy on you in your house because it's right over there. Mm. So here and all there, we've reached the 30-minute mark. Yes. We've completed our hourglass today. I just want to take a moment to thank you for thank taking you. the Thanks time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I, I, I fully enjoy our We must have you. There's so many other conversations like of vampires oh, and absolutely. things we could cover. Lots of things. So this certainly, Street I don't think this will be the last. Recently, that was Street medic thing. work. <laughs> I would love to discuss you in current political events <laughs> and the great work you've been doing there. But for now, help further ado. Take care and good night. Thank you.